Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome in to Rain Over Money. This is Kevin Hissong. Hope you've had a great summer. I am back from a little hiatus myself. Took the summer off to have some fun with the family, but we're back, back to work. Uh, second half of the year here. I, I will say, I, I wanna thank everyone for, for tuning in to, I guess I'm gonna break this down. Season one was the first 18 or so episodes and we're now starting season two. Uh, I've learned a lot of things. Gonna be uh, spending a little more time uh, with social media, some different kinds of uh, videos and maybe short uh, tidbits to add from time to time. But this will still be the core for what we're doing, the podcast and the video on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast from. Still keeping things about 20 minutes or so. So again, thanks for tuning in. We are gonna continue on the, the uh, Rain Over Money diamond, uh, that kind of diamond that incorporates everything that I believe in, in terms of money for all the way from budgeting and organization all the way up through determining social security and healthcare and retirement and everything in between. That if you uh, do a little bit of this and a little bit of that, it should help you and guide you through uh, to and through retirement. So today we're gonna be focusing on uh, the title of this is the fancy term asset allocation. Uh, if you've um, worked with an investment advisor or enrolled in a 401k or a 457 or some type of retirement plan, uh, you probably had to fill out what's called a risk tolerance questionnaire. And based on that risk tolerance questionnaire, the investment advisor you're working with, or it may be by default based on the numbers or the point system of that risk tolerance questionnaire, landed you in a certain asset allocation. So we're gonna talk about what is asset allocation, how important is it, and, uh, and I'm gonna talk about what I do uh, as well in, in terms of asset allocation. It's pretty straightforward for me. I've kind of always done the same thing. It's worked out good. So we are going to uh, go with that. So again, I hope everyone's having a great summer. Uh, jumping into this for the next part of the year, we will finish up the rain, uh, the uh, the rain over money, the the ROM diamond. We will finish it up for this year, and then we'll get into more specifics starting 2024. But let's start now with uh, the fancy term asset allocation. So asset allocation, uh, what in the world is it? It is essentially how your assets that are invested how they are spread out amongst different, um, different indices, different um, styles of investments. For example, what, what is, would be determined a, a style of investment? Uh, a lot of times it would be something like large cap stocks. Large cap means large capitalization stocks. It's, it's the capitalization, it's the size of the companies. Uh, your large cap stocks, uh, your Apples, your Johnson & Johnsons, uh, Coca-Cola's, things like that. Those are your large cap stocks, the bellwethers, uh, the blue chips, and so on and so forth. Um, many of them pay dividends, some of them don't, uh, but the, most of them have been around a long time and, and kind of they're, they're there. You're not going to get the 200% returns a year from those large caps, uh, but at the same time, you're, you're probably not going to get the 200% losses as well on the downside. So you've got your large caps. That's usually the foundation for an asset allocation. Um, you can either, it can be determined by a percentage put into large cap stocks or simply the S&P 500. That's usually the way I look at it. The first thing when I'm doing an asset allocation is I'm looking at, okay, where's the S&P 500? Because that's the, the biggest chunk of my money is going to be deposited into that. And before I go any further, I think there's something to, to think about as well as there's two ways to think about asset allocation and investment and financial academia um, 
they love to break down and really get in depth about what is the ultimate asset allocation and what is the perfect asset allocation. It's just a bunch of hooey. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've done the same thing. I spend about three minutes doing my asset allocation and I've always spent about three minutes doing my asset allocation and it's worked out just fine. Oh, maybe I've given up a couple percentage points here or there, but I'm not complaining. And for the time I've saved and I'm not hemming and hawing and wringing my hands over it uh, all the time. So we're, we're going to focus on kind of the meat and potatoes here, what you need to focus on, where you need to focus on it and some additional pieces that go along with it. So um, getting back to the asset allocation, S&P 500, large cap stocks, most of you are going to put your, the majority of your money into something like that. Uh, I'm going to pull up something here, a resource that uh, if you're on the video, you're going to be able to see it. But uh, if you're on the um, if you're on the podcast, I will have it up on the website as well. And it's something called the Callan Periodic Table. And it's, it's one of those things. There isn't a whole lot in the investment world that I've utilized that that I really, really like. Um, but this is something that that I really have enjoyed looking at over the years. And uh, again, it's up on the video now and I'll have it on the rain over money under the, the tools and tidbits section of the website to give you an idea. And what this is, it's kind of similar to that, that periodic table in chemistry where uh, about the only ones I know are, uh, you know, H2O and Na is sodium. That's about all I know. But the count periodic table breaks down the biggest asset allocation places or the biggest indices to put your money. And I know, you know, emerging markets aren't considered, there isn't like one indice for emerging markets and one indice for real estate, but it's kind of these, these segments of different ways money can be invested. So for instance, you've got large cap stocks, you've got cash equivalents, which are your money market funds, your real safe money, treasury notes, things like that. You've got your emerging markets, you've got your um, fixed income, which is fixed income is just another term for bonds. And inside bonds, you can have your high yield corporate bonds, or you can have short term bonds or, or midterm bonds, whatever it may be. Uh, small cap stocks, those are your, um, I would say your more aggressive companies, those companies that do not have a larger capitalization, they're your smaller companies, they're a bit more aggressive. Uh, so they all get mixed into this table here. And the calendar chart that I'm looking at here goes back to 2003. And each year it shows that indice or the tracking of those certain types of investments, how they've done compared to the other ones over the years. And I really like it because it's color coded. So you can quickly pick out a color like emerging markets. If you look at emerging markets with this, emerging markets was on a crazy run uh, looking from 2003 to 2009. They were in the top one or two for those years and, and you know all financial gurus and everything oh you got to have all this money in emerging markets and whatever but if you start to look over the years 2010 you know 2008 it was completely at the bottom 2011 it was completely at the bottom 15 completely at the bottom 18 completely at the bottom i mean you're losing 53 percent 18 percent 14 percent 14 percent that's why you just can't chase these things there are certain fundamentals that have proven over time to be the best bets. And I would say large caps equities are, are first and foremost in that. Um, you know, bonds for the most part have tended to be fairly good over many years. Um, 
Real estate has been a nice hedge over the years. I mean, you could see, if you look at real estate on this chart going back to 2003, it was third, it was first, it was second, it was first. It fell off the table in 2007, but only a 7% loss. 2008, when many things got crushed, it was down 48%. Um, but just goes to show, things that are losing that kind of money, you don't want to be putting tons of money into. So uh, I'm just kind of going around here saying a lot of things, but let me just give you an idea of what I do for a typical allocation. This is just me, not investment advice, just what I've done over the years. Uh, you know, whether it's myself doing a new 401k setup or whether my wife's got to redo her 401k setup, I'm looking somewhere around 35% into large caps or the S&P 500. I'm looking for the the S&P fund, uh, the S&P index fund and going 35, maybe even 40% right off the bat. Um, next up, I, I wanna go ahead and get my bond allocation set up. Um, I may split a bond allocation between uh, large, uh, uh, long-term and short-term, but actually in, a, in an allocation, I'm looking for kind of an aggregate bond index that just kind of takes all bonds in because I'm, I'm not a giant fan of, bonds, fan of bonds, but at the same time, uh, I know that they can be a nice hedge should the market have a rough year. Um, I know they really haven't done that lately. If the market's had a bad year, bonds haven't gone up, but they're still important to have. But I, I don't like more than maybe 15%. So if you're looking at my overall allocation across the board, I'm usually about 80% to 85% in, in stocks and alternatives versus about 15 to maybe 20% in bonds. And I'll probably keep that well into my 60s, if not my 70s. Um, I just believe in the stock market. The, if you look back over time, the stock market over time has outperformed everything. And I, I just feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you're getting very, very conservative because, hey, I'm a perfect example, inflation. Inflation creeps up. Your investments have to do more than inflation to keep up with that or you're losing money on your investments. That's just to beat inflation. It's not, let alone to make more money. The, the, the purchasing power of your investments and of your money has to at least keep up with inflation. So if you get too conservative, um, that, that can be a big, uh, a big downer over time. So 35, 40% in the S&P, 15, 20% bonds. Uh, looking for, again, that aggregate bond. International, so there's, I, I wanna talk about international and emerging markets. International is more developed countries. So if you're looking at an allocation, uh, whether it's an ETF that's an international ETF or where you, whether you see something like emerging markets, emerging markets should send up a little bit of a caution flag to you because that is a more aggressive investment. And I think if you look at the Callan table, and I'm gonna go ahead and close it down here after I say this, but if you look at the Callan table, you know, emerging markets, 2003, 58%, 26%, 24%, 32%, 39% in 2003 through 2007. Then it fell off the table. And of late, emerging markets haven't done a whole lot. Um, you know, when you're seeing 58% returns and then 20 or 58% losses, that's an aggressive investment. And that should not be more than three to 5% of your overall portfolio. Um, so again, I'm gonna go ahead and close that down for now and stop sharing it. Um, but that just gives you a sense, again, and that'll be on the website, that gives you a sense of how aggressive emerging markets can be. They can be a nice boost in years that emerging markets are doing fantastic, but they can also pull down your, your overall uh, investment portfolio if you've got too much in them. That's why three, 5% of an investment in something like that may give it a little boost and an upside, 
um, and, and won't kill you in a downside as well. So again, the difference emerging markets, much more aggressive. I'm only gonna put about three to 5% in emerging markets. Uh, international, I'm okay putting up to maybe 15% in uh, because you, international, you're talking about developed countries uh, across the world. And um, I, I like to do something that's ex-US. You'll see um, international funds that maybe include the United States for some reason, which I really never understood, and other international funds that are ex-US. That means they're ex-United States. So if you can find something that's ex-United States, that means you're totally getting away from the United States. And that's, that's where I want my international to be. I want it to be international not also the United States. The, the large caps, the small caps, all that stuff is taking over for that. Um, so we've got 35% in large caps S&P, um, 15, 20% international, 5% emerging, uh, um, or, or I'm sorry, 15% bonds, 15% international, 5% emerging. And then you get into the, the other capitalization. So I talked about large caps, the big names you know. Um, there's also something called mid cap stocks. They're not as aggressive as small cap stocks, but they're not, uh, they're not, maybe not as big and stoic and, and as slow movers sometimes as large caps. I like mid cap stocks. So if you could find a mid cap investment in your breakdown in your portfolio, um, I'm okay to put about 15% in that. So between mid caps and large caps, uh, I'm talking about you know 55 or so percent. And then one other thing I'll go ahead and put money in is something called alternatives. I think alternatives is becoming, um, you know, more and more, uh, uh, there's more things uh, encompassing now in alternatives. Uh, it really, you know, it used to be commodities like, like gold, silver, and so on. And you could even throw real estate in that. Uh, but now you've got maybe, you know, the Bitcoins and the, and the cryptocurrency and things like that. But, you know, just that's kind of a poker. You can do whatever you want when it comes to alternatives. Some people are bigger believers in, in real estate, and you may even go up to 10% real estate, and that'd be your alternative. I'm, you know, I'm still, I'm, I've always said on this, I'm not a, a giant real estate person. I don't understand it a ton. I've never invested specifically in real estate. So I keep my alternatives, including real estate at about 5%, uh, kind of split between real estate and commodities, uh, gold, silver, and whatnot as a hedge to the overall market. So let's break it down again real quick. 35% large caps are the S&P 500, 15% international, 15% mid cap, 10% small cap, 5% emerging markets, 5% alternatives, and last but not least, that 15% in bonds. That's how I do it, roughly, give or take, moving around a couple percentages here and there. And I try and keep it that way across all my investments. So if I'm trying to pick out something, whether I'm signing up for a new 401k or whatever, or uh, IRA, or I'm doing my wife's, I'm trying to keep all of our investments in the same area. So if you look at our, um, you know, our brokerage account or IRA or whatever, I'm trying to keep it the same across the board. I don't have like 100% in large cap stocks in my IRA and then 100% small cap stocks in my wife's IRA and then doing this allocation here. I try and keep this very similar across the board. Um, about maybe the only place I don't do that's in our joint brokerage account. That's majority of that's large cap stocks. It's dividend paying uh, because I want those dividends to grow and pay. But that, again, that gets lumped into large cap stocks. So when I look at my overall portfolio, the bigger weight for large cap stocks is in our joint brokerage account. 
So I've maybe got to make some adjustments in our IRAs and so on and so forth. Um, so that's asset allocation. I hope maybe that, that gives you a little more sense of, of how it works. Um, there's one more piece of that that I want to talk about, and that's called rebalancing. If you're filling on asset allocation, you may see a checkbox for um, automatic rebalancing or auto rebalancing. And what that means is, based on the allocations you chose, at some point, usually the it, rebalancing will be quarterly or annually, or you don't have to rebalance at all. Uh, but you can check a box and what it'll do is it will buy and sell things at the end of every quarter or at the end of every year to then reallocate to how it was. So for example, uh, let's say you did 35% in the S&P 500. And the S&P 500 had a fantastic year and everything else kind of fell apart. So now maybe at the end of the first quarter, for some odd reason, your S&P 500 is up to 40% of your allocation. If you have auto rebalancing checked for a qu quarterly, every quarter it will look at where your current allocation is and it will reset it to where it started. So in this case, if the S&P 500 jumped up to 40%, it will sell out of that and, and move that back to 35% and reallocate that 5% to your other investments. I don't like quarterly rebalancing. If I'm gonna do any type of rebalancing, it's going to be annual and here's why. I feel like quarterly does not allow your winners to run. And you may say, well, the downside of that is <laughs> also if you've got some losers, your losers are running as well. But I want my winners to run at least for a year. So if the S&P 500 is doing great for a quarter, I want it to run for the full year. I don't wanna take out those, those gains and readjust it. I at least wanna see how it works out over the year. Um, I don't, I don't do S, um, I'm sorry, I don't do auto rebalancing very much. If there's an option there and a couple 401ks, I may do it annually, uh, but in my own brokerage accounts and own IRAs, I do not do that. So I'm not a giant fan of auto rebalancing, but it is a nice way to keep everything uh, in some sort of alignment based on your overall investment philosophy. But if you're gonna do it, uh, do it annually, don't do it quarterly. That, that's my only advice there. Even though it's not advice, it's just my opinion. Um, so I'm gonna stop there. Uh, that's uh, getting me back in. I'm getting tired. I, uh, <laughs> not, uh, I'm not used to doing this. So uh, I gotta get back in the swing of things here. We will be uh, doing one video per, uh, per week for the rest of the year. And then we'll be adding some other uh, little pieces on social media. Follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. Rain Over Money is the call sign on both and be looking maybe for some shorts. Uh, we're gonna do some shorts on, um, on Instagram and on the YouTube channel as well. So that's all asset allocation, that fancy term asset allocation. Hopefully we broke it down a little bit for you, gave you a little bit more understanding. If you've got any questions, got any comments, feel free to shoot me a note, uh, visit the website. My contact information's out there, uh, out at rainovermoney.com. And again, this is Kevin Hissong with rainovermoney.com. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 19. We'll see you next week for episode 20 and uh, have a great week, everyone.